0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to come to God's Word and uh, we're going to read from John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter uh, 15, Uh, just while you're getting out on the screen, or you're picking up your Bible, or your phones, or your iPads, or whatever. Um, John 15, uh, just to say that uh, we've booked the men in for the men's uh, Friday, Saturday, Friday evening, it's all day Saturday, 17th, 18th November, it's not too late yet. If you haven't booked in, I've booked uh, a number of men in. I've also booked the hotel accommodation, So, uh, if if you'd like to go, please uh, see me, and uh, we'll get you booked in whilst there's still spaces. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. It's entitled in my Bible, The World's Hatred. And uh, that's quite a strong term, and we'll explain that and go through it uh, after we've read the verses. John 15 verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also if I had not done among them the works which no one else did they would have had no sin but now they have seen and also both and also hated both me and my father but this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law they hated me without uh, a cause and God will bless uh, the reading of his word I'll put my watch here. In my Bible, the words of Jesus are in red. I don't know whether they are. Whose Bible, just a matter of interest, whose Bible have the words of Jesus in red? Great. That's good. Uh, I love reading the verses in red in the New Testament. And there's one or two in the Old Testament as well, if you look for them. Because in my Bible, these verses are Jesus speaking directly uh, to the reader. These are his words. And uh, they're in red. Red means warning normally, doesn't it? (laughs) Red light at traffic lights. Stop. (laughs) You get a red reminder. (laughs) Warning. And they have a red reminder this week. (laughs) You don't get them these days in the post, do you? You just uh, get them by email or text or whatever. Red is uh, warning. And uh, it's Jesus' words. And him speaking directly to us. I mean, truth is in all scripture. We know that. It's God-breathed, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It's valuable for teaching, for correction, for direction that we might be complete You need God's word for you to be complete as a person and certainly as a Christian. And sometimes, I don't know whether you've had this or not, but when I'm speaking to people about Jesus, they'll say, if I could just hear Jesus speak to me, then I would believe what you are saying or I would know that he was alive or I knew he loved me or I knew he would die for me or I knew he was in heaven or whatever. And they say that, but actually the verses in red Are Jesus speaking to us? And if we pay particularly attention to those red verses, as I'm calling them, we hear Jesus speak to us directly and forcibly sometimes. And these verses that we read uh, this morning are Jesus speaking to us, to us in the Freedom Center, to us as families, to us as individuals. And when Jesus speaks to us, it's what I would call, and I've entitled this morning, reality check. It really is a reality check because he speaks his word. And we know from John 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So he was there in the beginning. And when you're there in the beginning of something... Uh, you have sort of real information, don't you? Privileged information. You can tell it like it is. That's why your parents (laughs) can give you a reality check of what life's all about and who you really are. They can embarrass you sometimes. And there are certain parents here this morning that could embarrass certain people. I remember when I changed your nappy and all these sort of wonderful, weird things that parents uh, say. They tell you what you were like at the beginning. And often we don't want to know what we were like at the beginning because we we're rather vulnerable at that point. Um, but they tell it like it is. Well, Jesus is ahead of your parents because. Yeah, they know your physical beginning but Jesus says I knew you before you were in your mother's womb and that kind of trumps mum and dad a little bit and parents know a lot of embarrassing stuff about children and so is Jesus and God knows a lot of embarrassing stuff about us but unlike parents he doesn't spill the beans parents spill the beans uh, but his, uh, he never spills the beans and so he speaks to us Uh, having known us from before you were born. And so his words uh, need to be listened to. And uh, he speaks truth. And it's these truths I want to particularly look at uh, this morning to give us a reality check for our Christian lives and for our futures. And particularly for those maybe who lead or seek to lead in any way, uh, shape, or form, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. I wonder if I could ask you, who hates you? Now, in Britain, we would be aghast that somebody would hate us. And yet, uh, verse 18 and continually through these verses, the one word that kept coming up was hate. Hate. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And then it's hate and hate. And now they, if they hate you, he who hates you and hates me, hates my father and so forth. And the word hate keeps coming up. And uh, you, I don't know whether you have people who hate you. Maybe they do. I wonder why they hate you. People hated Jesus. How could you hate Jesus? But they, they did. They hated him. I have some folks who hate me. Maybe <laughs> I keep moving this? Is it me or is it the children coming through the ceiling? <laughs> Sorry? Okay, I'll leave it with you. It always shocks me when I find out somebody hates me. Um, I can understand people maybe disliking me, but hatred. It's kind of strong, isn't it? How could they possibly hate me? (laughs) Some of you are looking like, yeah, I can understand it. (laughs) How could they possibly hate me? But they do. You see, when you're seeking to bring God's word to a godless world... To a, maybe to a godless nation to a godless city you will attract hatred you will when you and let this sink in but sometimes when you try and bring God to a Christian sometimes you attract hatred as well if your walk with God is radical enough I really believe hatred will come your way From certain people. And if you don't believe me, just wait. Get more radical and you'll get some hatred. Never think that you can walk with God and for your enemy not to notice. Never think that your ministry doesn't come without a response from the enemy. Never think you can steal from the enemy without him having an opinion and an attitude. Never think that you can take everybody on your journey. The world uh, we live in wants things easy. I'm easy come, easy go. I'm an easy person. We want things easy. And really, most people have been brought up to get things easy. Easy certainly much easier than some of the parents who are here uh, today. But easy never comes easy. I wonder if I should use this other microphone. I don't think it Am I better at this? Okay. Easy never comes easy. What you got easy was never cheap to someone. Any holiday that you go on demands a price. A day off, when you take things easy, demands days on. A great physique like mine demands a sacrifice. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's the first time you've laughed this morning and you laugh at that. <laughs> an amazing ministry demands an amazing price. Verse 20, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you problem is that verse says a servant is not greater than his master but often we want to be greater than Jesus and so we don't want to have certain things that Jesus got he got persecution but we don't want persecution thank you very very much and so that verse says if they persecuted me they will also persecute you and I want to look at they this morning who are they Who are they? Who are the haters that you will attract? I'm not going to name names, but I'm certainly going to name some groups. And it may surprise you when I start naming who the groups are. Because we all want to go to the next level, whether it's a new house, a new work, a job, or a career, a ministry, a new gifting. We all want to go to the next level. But if we want higher blessing, if we want promotion, we will also receive higher persecution you watch that happens in the world as well as in the church if, you, if you're an ordinary MP and just a backbencher you'll get some criticism from your, from your uh, folks in, back home and your, whatever, whatever city or town that you represent you get some criticism but not, not a lot just attitudes and comments and so forth then you become a cabinet minister and it goes up a lot suddenly you're in charge of a department and suddenly people have a, an opinion to give to you about your department and what you spend and what you don't spend and what you do and what you don't do. And then if you're fortunate or unfortunate enough, you, you go from being a cabinet minister to being prime minister. Whoa! Oh, then people hate you. Then there's an attitude. Then there's a discussion. So if you want to go higher in the world prepare for persecution. If you want to go higher in God and go to another level where he's using you powerfully, everyone sees him using you powerfully. What they don't see is the price you pay for him using you powerfully. You ask any, any uh, powerful ministry across the world that you care to mention, they will tell you People who hate them go onto YouTube or go onto the internet and see who hates who. In fact, perhaps don't. It'll soil soil your spirit. So if we want to go higher with God, we must prepare ourselves for persecution. If we want to be, have more influence as a church, prepare ourselves for more persecution. But we don't want it, do we? We'd rather just people like us. When Jesus lived in Nazareth as a boy, as a teenager, even through his 20s, he would have received no persecution at all. Everybody's friend, like Jesus. Nice guy, Joseph's son, Mary's son. Can do amazing things with some wood, a bit like some people here, like Pete. Can take a piece of six by four and do amazing things with it, as you can see around you. Can take some wood and make something. So they liked him. They loved him. They admired him, e- even. But when his ministry started, whoops, things went downhill. Just watch the Nazareth reaction when he started his ministry. And when your ministry starts, when God gives you a ministry, a job, a position, a calling, just watch who comes calling the more anointed the ministry the more hatred from they let me just read some verses to you from Matthew 13 I'll show you what I mean Matthew 13 verses 53 through 58 now it came to pass When Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there, when he came to his own country, he went back to his hometown. He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this isn't is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? When did this man get all these things? So they were pleased with him? No. So they were filled at his new ministry? No. Verse fifty seven. So they were offended by him and at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet's not without honour, except in his own country, in his own house. Verse 58, now he did, not, he, did, he did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. <laughs> when he was Joseph's son, no persecution. When he was Mary's son, no persecution. When he had brothers and he had sisters and running alongside them and playing games and doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things, no persecution. But as soon as he stepped out in ministry, Persecution soon as he went to a different level, soon as he started to share his prophetic ministry, persecution, they gave him persecution. They had no faith in him and his ministry that God had birthed. So they will give you persecution. Paul says to Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How's your persecution? Have you got any? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So who persecuted Jesus? Who were they? Who were the haters? And so I put number one, his own town. His own town. Those in the same town as Jesus struggled to believe that God could use Jesus. They couldn't believe in his ministry because they couldn't get past his childhood couldn't get past his teenage years couldn't even get past his twenties and when they even saw Jesus acting supernaturally all they could think of was his humanity they couldn't get past it they had the blinkers human, human, can't do anything just a normal boy the thought of his mother, his mother, his brothers, his sisters And when God begins to use any man or any woman, those who grew up with you will prefer to know your natural self rather than your supernatural self. They would prefer to know the old you rather than the new you. Some of you are nodding because you know. You became a Christian and friends started to fade away. And persecution is not always a slap in the face. It's the unreturned phone call. It's the email that doesn't get an answer. It's we're all going out, but you never get the invitation. That's subtle persecution. And so when God begins to use you or comes upon you and you involve him in your life, expect persecution. Because they'd rather know the old you, the natural you, than the new you, the supernatural you. They can't see past your past. They can't believe that, why should you have a different future than me? Why should you be different than me? They can't believe that your future is going to be different from their future. They want you to be static in terms of your walk with God. They don't want you becoming more godly. If Jesus had stayed a carpenter, he wouldn't have died at 33 He would have lived to a ripe old age. But when he started on his ministry, the persecution came. So stop being surprised when you are receiving persecution. Because in this world, there will be persecutions. So that was the first group, his own town. And then I put another uh, T, if you like reality check the second group of they in your life and the second one is the second group is his own teachers just have a look through the gospels and see who came against jesus (laughs) it was the religious teachers of the day so you go through matthew 23 woe to you scribes and pharisees you hypocrites these were the religious leaders of the day. Woe to you, hypocrites. Just read how many times he says that. In, in Matthew 23, verse 13, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Verse 14, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes. He was after them. Big time. You don't say to people, you hypocrite, without them beginning to dislike you a little bit. And so he goes through all the way through the chapter, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And so they began to persecute him. They were his biggest persecutors. His own town, his own folk were persecuting him. The religious leaders of the day were persecuting him in my life. Some of the biggest persecutions I've received are my, not my own folk in Scotland, because I'm long gone out of there, but are people in Preston. Some of my biggest persecutors have been what I would call religious people, who would come to me and tell, put me right in terms of what I'd said or what I didn't say or what this or this or that or the next thing, with an, normally with a Bible in their hand and a scripture just ready for you, given with love and grace. Sometimes your biggest persecutors are those who'd want to teach you. Religious people don't celebrate you, they condemn you. <laughs> and your biggest persecutors, when you start living a radical Christian life, will be those around you, your own folk, your own town. And there will be those who become, suddenly become religious on you. People who want to teach you that you are wrong. Well, I'm not talking about people who want to guide you with love and with grace. I'm certainly not speaking against <laughs> the pastoral ministry of the church. I'm talking about people who are religious. And who are hypocritical in their uh, thoughts and their dealings with you. Number three, very quickly, his own team. His own town, his own teachers, his own team. Folks he thought were on his side. Matthew 26. You see it. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. One of his own. People he had handpicked. People he had washed their feet. People who he had invested in. People who he had taken on the journey began to persecute him. Different levels of persecution. Judas selling them out like we've just read. Thomas, unbelief. People walking away. One occasion he called them, one of them, Satan, get behind me, Satan. Well, you'll get a bit of persecution if if you call one of your friends and people who, imagine if I came to you and said, get behind me, Satan. You'd say, I don't think the Freedom Center is a church for me. (laughs) That's what he did. He was radical. And when you're radical for God, you'll get a radical response. He says, you're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. So we need to get our eyes off men and get our eyes on God. And when Jesus stepped into his ministry, his own folk couldn't see the son of God. All they could see was the son of a carpenter. When you are in any ministry at all, there will be a certain group of people who only see you. Ordinary you. We know you. In Scotland they say we ken your father. We know who you are. We know your family. We know who, what you're about. We know what you did, what you didn't do. And that's persecution. And if they persecuted him... They will persecute you. And it usually comes from Christians who follow Jesus from afar. (laughs) If you want to follow Jesus up close, you'll get criticism from people who follow from afar. John 16 verse 33 says, In this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I want to finish... By declaring some stuff to you and to me and to the principalities and powers that would come against us in all that we do for our master. Because we're of good cheer, because we win. You win. That's the good news. Some of you have been looking doom and gloom because I'm t- talking to you about persecution. But actually, let me tell you, and let me tell everything, anything, and everybody. And every demon in hell, we win. Despite the critics, despite the complainers, despite the haters, we win. And let me tell you something when you win, they hate you even more. <laughs> Talking from experience, if you haven't guessed, they hate you even more. So whatever the master has called you to do, do it. With all your might and with all your strength and do it despite what they, whoever they are, say. Whatever they do. Because you win. Learn to doubt your doubters. Doubt was introduced in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? And so you'll find... When you start any ministry, any job, any career for God, any radical walk with God, or maybe you've just become a Christian, what comes flooding in is doubt. Don't think that's you. That's not you doubting. That's the enemy coming to you in the garden of your life and saying, did God really come in? Did God really say? Could you possibly have the Holy Spirit in your life? could God possibly use you? Are you good enough? You're not good enough. You shouldn't be going to church. Some people don't come to church. I remember a lady, none of you know her, apart from Susan, years ago. And she used to come to church and she like had it all together. and And she, you know, and she was, she just, you know, whenever you spoke to her, you just got this wall of I wouldn't say perfection, but I've got it together. I know a chapter and I know a verse for everything and everything else. And then I noticed um, she was there for, here for, not here, but elsewhere for a number of months, maybe even a year or so. And then she suddenly stopped coming. So I made contact with her and I said, "Um, why are you not coming? She says, I'm not coming because I've got some issues in my life. I just want to get them sorted out. That's not just her It said that to me. I've said, had that said to me many times. You see, you don't go to church when you've got issues. You go to church when you've got it all together. So we can pretend to everyone else that we've got it together. And I tried to explain to her how wrong she was. That church is the place you come when you haven't got it together. And we come to church because we need each other. And we need each other to encourage us and to fellowship. And that's why God ta- tells us to gather together. And uh, not forsake it, Hebrews 10.25, because we need each other. But she thought, in her religious thinking, that I only come to church when I've got it together. But that's religiosity. (laughs) And so the enemy will make us doubt. So I wanted to give us this morning a reality check. And that is part of the real gospel. And anybody who tells you, you come to Christ and you serve Christ and you have a powerful ministry and you never have any persecution, they are lying to you. I don't care who they are. Because I've known a number of powerful ministries up close and personal with loads of people that perhaps you know or don't know. Powerful ministries. And I can see by what they tell me personally And what I've read from other people, they endure persecution. Now, they don't concentrate on it like we've concentrated this morning on it. Because they look higher to a God who wants to bless them and give to them and prosper them and enable them to do their ministry. But let me tell you, they endure persecution. And often when people start following Jesus... They come across the first hurdle of persecution and they say, it's not for me. Because you said that Jesus has the answer to everything. You said everything was going to be okay. You said we're going to be blessed. what well, then now, now, even now and whatever doesn't, doesn't come to be near me, doesn't speak to me, doesn't uh, telephone me anymore. And you tell me that Jesus is attractive. Well, Jesus is in me and he's not attracting anyone. The real gospel is, in this world, you will have persecution. It may affect your job. There's people lost jobs because they, they, they prayed for somebody in a hospital. People lost jobs because they wore a cross. I, I, had, uh, I saw uh, somebody from India sent me a, a video of uh, a girl. She was on the street corner with a cross. It looked just, just like this one. And she was preaching. She was going for it. But as soon as she started up, all you could hear, I couldn't see them, but all you could hear was the persecution coming. And in India, that can get, that can lead to your death <laughs> if you meet the wrong people. And the persecution started to come. And when you lift up the cross in your life, I'm not talking about you standing in a street corner, but if you want to see it very quickly in your life, take that cross and take it up to the flag market and just plant it down and start speaking about how God has saved your life. And you watch the reaction. So they'll let you wear a cross like this. And nobody will say a word. But as soon as you make an impact, as soon as you say, I've become a Christian. What do you mean you're a Christian? You're the same as me. I'm as good as you. And as soon as you start witnessing and speaking frankly about the things of God, or as soon as you start leading something in a church or in your job, you watch the reaction. Whilst you're one of them, no reaction. As soon as you're given a position in your job, say, "I'm now the manager, I'm now the supervisor, who do you think you are? You're not going to be telling us what to do, are you, when you get this new position? It's a human reaction. God says, in this world, you will have persecution. I see it as an encouragement. As soon as we moved into this building, we hit persecution. You didn't know anything about it. Horrible things were said to us by a certain uh, group of people. Untrue things. But you have persecution. And as soon as the invisible becomes visible in your life as soon as they see changes in your circumstances as soon as they see any blessing from God on your life persecution comes, who's this Jesus running around with a group of disciples we know him, he's Joseph's son he's come back here to tell us what to do thinks he's a miracle guy, he's no miracle guy, he's Mary's son and people say that about you but if become a Christian, it's a fad. It won't last long. Thinks they can pray and it's all been answered. It's a fad. It's untrue. This is the real gospel. This is truth. God wants to enable us to be his sons and his daughters and his radical disciples. He doesn't just want converts. Paul said to the church at Galatia, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than you, what we have preached to you, let them be accursed. For do, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Even if an angel comes to you and tells you something different from God's word, it's untrue. Sometimes people say, I had an angelic experience, which is wonderful, great, but did it confirm God's word? Well, no, it was was a bit different from that. Well, it's a false gospel. We have to decide to please Christ, not men. So in your job, in your ministry, in your Christian life, ignore the haters. Ignore the doubters. Ignore those people who are against you. They are your persecution. And what I see in the UK I think the persecution is going to get worse I really do I think it's going to get worse It's a bit iffy now if you start preaching on the streets Is that, is that allowed? What's the issue of, of marriage In the church? Can, what can we say? Are we allowed to say that? Are we not allowed to say that? What about other religions? Are we allowed to say they're false religions? And we have the truth Are you allowed to say that? Do you understand? you see the persecution creeping in? You don't know what you're allowed to say, do you? God says, be radical in your faith, in your family, in your ministry. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things, including persecution, (laughs) will be added to you. God's for us. That's a reality check this morning. Keep doing the right thing. Keep doing your calling. Despite what they say, Keep following. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Have a whatever-it-takes mentality. When you step into leadership, you learn something. You learn you have to do what it takes. That when other people walk away, you have to walk through. When other people walk out, you have to walk in. And so the leader, you know you're the leader when you get the phone call, I can't come. I can't do it. It's not suitable. I can't pay it. You know that's when you know you're the leader. (laughs) But you see, if you're a managing director of a company or a sales director or whatever director you are or you're an owner or a proprietor, a manager, they come to you and say, I can't do it. But they invariably are saying, you can do it. You're you're somehow a different beast to what I am. You've got different strength than what I've got. You'll make the sacrifice which I am not willing to make. You understand? So as Christians, as radical Christians, we do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. For more information about our church, or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com